Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. I want to talk about taking ground out of an emphasis that we're called to take ground, not just for ourselves, but for others. That we actually get to do this on behalf of others in faith and impartation and expectation that God is rising up through our work, something that goes beyond ourselves. And so I want to ask you to prayerfully consider making a commitment or making a one-off giving opportunity that we'll be going through over the next couple of weeks where we can raise the money needed, number one, to finish complete outstandingly our ablution block for Kids Church and for our youth ministries. And number two, that you would allow me to present to you some things that I believe are on our heart as a church to engage with for missions that go far beyond ourselves. I, I, I just want to, if I can, just to read this out of Exodus chapter 35, verse 4 to 10. In, in this portion of Scripture, as we're preparing to lay the seed for what it means to be a church that takes ground together, we're, we're caught in a moment where Moses is leading a generation of slaves out of captivity. And one of the key aspects of them being led out of captivity is that now they're being led into worship. They're being led into moments of encountering the living God for themselves. They've gone from moments of desperation and loss now into moments of opportunity to engage and connect. And as part of that, they're called to create a space in their community where they can encounter God together and for themselves. And so they create something that's called in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, often called the tabernacle of Moses. And tabernacle is basically a very formal and nice way of saying a tent. (laughs) I love how the Old Testament translates things sometimes. But it's much better than a tent that you would find at BCF. It's not one of those tents that you you pull out of the bag and just pull one thing up and all of a sudden it's there and then it gets blown away in the wind. This was something that was intricate, artistic, creative and expressive of the very people that God was working in and among. It goes on in Exodus chapter 35, verse 4 to 10. Then Moses said to the entire Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. Take up an offering among you for the Lord. Let everyone, hold on, I just, sorry, need to pause there. Take up an offering among you for the Lord. You know, as we bring over the next couple of weeks the opportunity for an offering in taking ground, I want to encourage you, I I want us to do this for the Lord. This isn't just for us. This goes far beyond us. That our perspective would lift from our day to day and even into the eternal purposes of the heart of God. Let everyone whose heart is willing, willingness matters, bring this as the Lord's offering, gold, silver and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarn, fine linen and goat hair. If anybody has goat hair, lock that away. Ramskins dyed red and fine leather, Asia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense and onyx with gemstones to mount on the ephod and the breastplate. Notice how clear and articulate the Spirit of God is in coming to the people. This is exactly what is needed. There's no mention of, hey, you know, if you've got something loose in your pockets, throw that in. This is the stuff that's needed 
to create the next opportunity for God's people to take ground together. God has no qualms in laying before His people. And you think it's amazing that the God of all creation, the God of heaven and earth would actually choose to engage with His people, to create out of His people what He wants to represent His love to the world. You think, wouldn't He, why, why wouldn't He just bypass us? Why, why wouldn't He, the, the, the one who fashioned the world, why wouldn't He choose to do this apart from us? Surely it'd be much quicker and much easier. But it's in the heartbeat of God that He would have a people that would partner with Him to express His love and not just experience it. God desperately wants you to experience His love. You deserve to experience the love of God for yourself. You are a blood-bought child of the Most High God. You deserve to experience the love of God. And for some of you here today, you might feel like you don't deserve it. Well, here's what qualifies you. Jesus gave Himself because you are so valuable to Him. But see, the Christian life is not just a life where you're called to just experience the love of God. You're meant to minister out of it and give it to others as well. This is not a one-way transaction. It's an investment of grace and peace that can even flow through our lives. So in verse 10 of this portion of Scripture, it says, Let all the skilled artisans among you come and make everything that the Lord has commanded. I'm amazed by this idea that God would have the audacity to ask His people, even a generation that had just come out of slavery, to give into creating a place of meeting where He would work in and through them. And in that, He even empowers them to create it themselves. Awaken City, we are called to give of ourselves to take ground because God wants to create out of us the future that He's leading us into. I want to reclaim this word artisans, this idea that you are gifted, you are created and you can shape even the things that God would put on your heart, that you in your life are called to take ground. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be focusing on what it means to be a church that takes ground together. We're going to be doing this hopefully as a focus on what God will be calling you individually to in your own context, but also what He's calling us to as a people. And that out of that, we can choose to take ground together. I'd love to just pray as we jump into this series and unpack some of these key thoughts. Because today I'd love to talk about what it means to be set apart for more. So Father God, we just come to You now as a people. I ask, oh God, that You would empower us, You would anoint us, You would equip us to be a people who take ground together. I ask, oh God, that we would begin to see beyond ourselves and to see even into what You're calling us to be. I ask, oh God, as we choose to give of ourselves over this next season, as we choose to go above and beyond even our regular giving, that, Lord God, You would bless it and You would multiply it. Father God, I thank You that we have the opportunity to finish this building off. Lord God, we dedicate this to You as a promise for our children and for our youth, as creating a safe place for them completely, unobstructed. And that, Father God, even out of this, You would birth in us a heart to go beyond ourselves and even reach the nations abroad. Father God, I ask that You would do it in us and amongst us, through us and out of us. In Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. I want to talk today about what it means to be set apart for more. 
And I'm mindful that at the start of the year, God gave me a word that has been something that has resonated in me and challenged me every step of the way. That I felt God say to me at the start of this year that the future belongs to the strong and to the courageous. And almost every time I come to the Lord in prayer, almost every time I have an opportunity to come to Him and surrender to Him, almost every opportunity I have where I get to encounter God for myself, I'm reminded of that Word He spoke to me. If you were to follow me around, especially this building midweek as I'm walking around, working with teams and meeting with people, I'm constantly whispering a prayer beneath my lips where I'm saying, God, what are you saying to the church? What are you saying to the church? What are you saying to the church? Because I want to hear the heartbeat of heaven for us. I'm constantly reminded that the future belongs to the strong and to the courageous. And this word came out of Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 to 9, where God's speaking to Joshua who takes on the mantle of leadership of God's people from Moses. After Moses has led the people out of Egypt 400 years of living as slaves and the people cry out for a deliverer and Moses is the one who was appointed and sent by God to even supernaturally lead the people of God out of slavery and to begin the journey into their promises. And as he leads them out, he takes them through the wilderness experience, but he is not able to lead the people of God into the promised land himself. And that honour is given to his 2IC, so to speak, a Slave who had grown up crying out for more, who had encountered God along the way, who had seen the land for himself and understood that even though there were battles that there was going to need to take place, that God would give them the victory. And eventually the leadership of God's people was passed to a man named Joshua. And Joshua had the opportunity right on the prefaces of entering into the promised land, going from the wilderness to cross over the Jordan River into the land that was promised to his forefathers generations before. And right as he's there, about to begin to lead the people, he has a meeting with God, which is a great thing to do before you're on the edge of anything. One of the most amazing things you could do before you make a big decision in your life, before you step over, before you sign that contract and that dotted line, have a meeting with God. And allow Him to speak into your heart. Allow Him to even lead and dictate and steer and encourage and empower you along the way. And so Joshua has a meeting with God. And this is what God, the living God, the one who led His people out of slavery said. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 to 9, Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do accordingly to all that is written in it. For then you will make, then you will, for then you will make your, come on, then you will. See, that always trips me up. I've got to be honest. Every time I read this, I think, God, aren't you the one who makes my way prosperous? But God says to Joshua, you will make your way prosperous by the way that you live through this. What a powerful thought. Often we, we, we live our lives in the expectation that, well, God will do it. 
God will do it. Almost like we're harmless bystanders in our own life. That we have no agency and no control. But it's interesting that God is speaking to Joshua as He's preparing to lead the people. He's saying to Joshua, you must lead yourself before you lead anybody else. And notice how many times God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. There's a reason why He says that. Maybe because the Spirit of God was picking up in Joshua that he was struggling to be strong and courageous. And I want to say to you today, as clearly as I can, it's okay sometimes not to feel like you have the strength and courage necessary. But in that, to come to God and allow Him to lead your next steps and bring the strength and courage along the way. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night and you, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and have good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I still believe the future belongs to the strong and courageous. That we're battling this climate in ourselves of fear and dismay. See, the idea of strength there means prevailing strength or the type of force that overcomes. It's, it's literally a strength that when presented with pressure, rises above the pressure and overcomes it. It's the type of strength that takes stock of the battle ahead and presses in and overcomes It's not the type of strength that's untested. It's tested strength. It's strength that takes exertion, but it's ultimately strength that overcomes whatever it comes up against. Courage here means to be alert physically, mentally, to be brave, to be determined. I believe it's the heart of God to cry out for a determined people, a people that will not swerve to the left or to the right, a people that will set their hearts like flint. And press on to see God create in them, in us, the things that He desires. So we're battling fear and dismay. Fear here means to be harassed, means to be prevailed against, means to be overwhelmed, it means to be squashed down. How easy it is to live a life of being squashed and pressured, to to live our lives underneath something that is not the heart of God, that represents the pressures, the fears, the anxieties, the worries about what has been and what could be while missing out on what God's calling us to now. And that word dismay means to be discouraged, but it literally means to be broken down. And I wonder if God was saying this to Joshua because maybe that's what he was wrestling with. That after 40 years of walking in the wilderness, finally given the opportunity to cross over, I wonder if he was struggling to break free of what was so that he could take hold of what was yet to be. And in that, he is called to be somebody who operates with strength and with courage. So I believe for us as a church to truly take ground, us as a people, both individually and corporately, we have to embrace this idea that the future belongs to the strong and courageous. 
that we have to be willing to get out and and go beyond, that we have to be willing to allow God to position us, even to step over from what was into what is yet to be. And I know in that position, there's often great fears that come up and and thoughts and and doubts and, and, and unbelief, but it's those people that choose to step out regardless that God creates in their midst the future He's calling us into. So I believe that we're set apart for more. I believe God's not done with us. God's not done with you. And that He's calling us out for more. So Joshua is given the challenge of leading God's people. And he goes about preparing them for what is yet to come. And see, what is yet to come is not only are they going to supernaturally cross over the Jordan River where their priests are going to set their soles of their foot on the waters and the waters are going to be supernaturally backed up and they're going to walk through to the other side. Not only are they going to eventually cross over from wilderness into the land that was promised to their forefathers, not only are they going to set up shop in a place called Gilgal and, and begin the transformation in them that it's going to take to inherit the promised land, but they are preparing for battles ahead. Now, I think that's amazing, this idea that not only has God supernaturally provided for them in the wilderness, they've, they've had clothes, the Scriptures say, that have not worn out. They had food both in breakfast and at dinner provided for them as if an Uber driver, a heavenly Uber driver was dropping things off as they went. They dragged around a literal rock that gave forth water in the wilderness. They had everything they needed, but yet they were called to more. And, and I wonder if the challenge for us as people is that the, the pressure to press on and take ground is to choose not to be happy with what we've got. To be idle in it, to honour God for it, to honour Him for the provision and the grace and everything that He's given us up until this point, but not to allow that to stop us from pressing on and taking ground. See, it was possible for God's people to spend their entire existence in the wilderness because they had everything they needed. And even in that, they had no conflicts. There was no opposing force in the wilderness with them because it was a desert. Nobody else could survive. There was no pressure points within their own community. But here, right on the edge of going into the Promised Land, Joshua had to turn these people who were slaves and survivors and tent makers into a group of warriors who would now take the ground set before them. And he had to prepare them to fight, but to fight in a different way than any army has ever fought before. So the truth is Joshua is not a strategist in the sense of a general who maybe was schooled on the ins and outs of how to do ancient warfare. Instead, he was somebody who was desperate to seek God and allow God to lead them forward into victory. And one of the key aspects that I just wanted to focus on today and what it means to be set apart for more comes out of Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Before crossing the Jordan, before going into the promised land, the people had a very important thing that needed to take place in them. It says this, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before the crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, 
your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Verse 4 says, Then you will know which way to go. Notice how they didn't know which way to go except for God's leading. It's okay to be that way in life. It's okay to be a people that say, unless God goes before us, I will not go. That we move with the Word of God, which also means that we hold on to the last thing that God told us to do until He tells us to do something else. That we don't spend our life looking around for, oh God, what would you say now? Instead of listening to what God has already said and taking hold of that fully and living in it. That's what it means to be a people who are Spirit-led, that we do what God has told us to do. And so they see the presence of God go out amongst us. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. God is calling us to go to places we've never been before. It is the Spirit of God to call you to places that you have never been before. You are not called to go round and round in circles in the wilderness. That's available and that's possible. And you can choose to do that if that's what you want. But it's not what you're called to do. You're called to go into places that you've never been before. But, sit, but keep a distance, about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. And verse 5 says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I don't know about you, but that word consecration is not a regular word that I use in conversation. But it's a word that means to be set apart for more. At its core, it means to be dedicated to service. It means to make something sacred, holy, other and more than. This idea of consecration means to take something, or in this case, somebody, and offer it onto God as a way of bringing the more out in it. It's like taking ourselves and saying we are far more than we could ever imagine. So God, would you imagine through us what you're calling us to be? Consecration means that we take something that is sometimes every day, a matter of fact, that we blase and move over and seeing that it is much more than it seems to be. I just got back from my hometown. I did a flying trip, thankful for Optus that took me over to the other side of Australia, just about literally for a two-day visit for a funeral to come back. And so I'm walking around my family home and I haven't been there for years and it's been 15 or 16 years since I relocated and moved out from there. I'm looking at all the things that, Remind me of my childhood and as I'm going through my parents' kitchen and making a coffee for myself and mind you, I brought my own coffee beans and I bought my own grinder and I bought my own plunger and (laughs) my hometown's not well known for coffee. (laughs) And as I'm there and I'm going through some of the things that remind me of my childhood, I see there in the corner, I don't know if your kitchen has this, the, the, the random vase or container that has all the different things that you need to cook, the utensils, like the the tongs and the the egg flippers and whatever. And there in the midst of that grouping was a wooden spoon. (laughs) 
I knew that wooden spoon well. So that wooden spoon had been dedicated to a very specific service in my childhood. And I saw that spoon. I knew it was much more than a spoon because I'd encountered that spoon multiple times. And please just be aware since we're recording this that I'm not encouraging you to go home now and dedicate and consecrate a spoon in your own house. I just want to say that was my reality. But it reminded me of this idea that things that seem mundane can be so much more. That spoon was actually hardly used. It was the thread of that spoon. It's what that spoon represented. That Chris, you're crossing the line. You're right there at the edge. Come on, pull yourself back in. See, I think that we're called to bring our lives to God and consecrate ourselves. I, I, I want you to be very mindful of the terminology that Joshua says to the people. He says, consecrate yourselves. Do you know that I can't do that for you? Do you know the ridiculous thing is that God Himself doesn't do that for us. Joshua does not go to the people and say, hey, get ready, we're about to cross over into the Promised Land. We're about to start taking ground. After 40 years of walking around and around and around, aren't you excited? God's going to consecrate you. He's gonna set you apart and make you much more than you are. That's not what He says. He says instead, consecrate yourself which implies that there is a need to be willing. A willingness that says, Lord God, not my will be done, but Your will be done. And I know that's easy to say and hard to live out, but I wonder if that's the best way to live. I wonder if the best way to live is not to automatically assume that I know everything and I have everything in order, that in fact, I have the access to the Creator of heaven and earth who is willing to stoop down and engage with me where I'm at and bring His wisdom in and His leading. And I wonder if that's available for every single one of us, that we can be willing, that there's, there's, there's this idea of surrender. Not surrender in the sense of God's got a gun at your back, saying you have no agency. No, surrender in the Kingdom of God is saying that while I have everything I could possibly need, I, I need more, I need you. I need you. See, surrender in the Kingdom of God is coming to God knowing that He's blessed us with everything. Blessed us with the breath in our lungs. Blessed us us with the ability to create wealth and resources. But in that, we need so much more. I need to be set apart for You, Lord God. I need You. I need You. That were consecrated. Set apart for more. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for tomorrow. Do you know the tomorrow that God has in store for us is created by what we do today? It's who we are now that sets up our tomorrow. And God is leading us to be a people who are set apart for more, who have made a decision that is a living decision. It's not a one-time moment. It's not a set it... And I've forgotten about it. It's a, it's a reality that we live. That there is so much more to this life than just getting by and going round and round and round and round and round and round and round. It's, that's not the life we're called to live. You are called to take ground. You are called to be led by God. 
into the victories He's got prepared for you. There are promises He has made available. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for tomorrow. Our tomorrow is set up today. And the ground that we take now sets up who we become and who we are called to be. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, for tomorrow the Lord will. It's not, it's Him in us. The Lord will do amazing things. I want amazing things. I'm desperate for amazing things. I'm desperate, Lord God, for the healings that You wanna do in and through us. I'm desperate, Lord God, for the lives that You wanna set free. I'm desperate, Lord God, for the transformation. I'm desperate for the miracles, the amazing things that cannot be explained apart from the will of God. I'm desperate to go so far beyond this that we can enter into what God's calling us to be. The amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. You can't pass over that. God's not doing it apart from us. He's not wanting to do it outside of us. He wants to do it in the midst of us. God wants to do amazing things among you. And in that we are called to take ground together. In this last season, I felt the heartbeat of God for us as a church would be that we would be a church that takes ground through prayer and worship. And in this season, we have seen our pre-service prayer meetings regularly average 70 to 80 people, which is amazing. They're almost their own service where our Wednesday night prayer meetings that we do every fortnight are basically a prayer service where we've got 40 or 50 people coming out. Where our Thursday morning prayers on the opposite week are virtually the same. Well, there's other prayer meetings that I feel that God's calling us to start and pioneer that I actually believe as a church, we're actually gonna grow through prayer, which is a ridiculous thing to say, that we're actually gonna grow through prayer meetings, that God would actually call us to extend ourselves through prayer meetings. How old school is that? But it's necessary because what it does is it allows us as a church to choose to consecrate ourselves to set ourselves apart, to say that we are desperate and surrendered and God work among us. But see, it can't stop there. If we're called to take ground through prayer and worship, then we're also called to get on the front lines through missions. And I don't know what you think about when you hear that terminology, missions, but it's been a word that has been used within the body of Christ for generations to talk about the work that a church is called to do beyond itself. So we're actually called to be a missionary church. You are called to be a missionary in your environment where here's the idea, you are on mission for God. Doesn't mean you're saluting Him, doesn't mean you're having to get in a uniform, doesn't it? What it actually means is that you're just available for God to work in and work through. And so we're called to get on the front lines through missions. We're partnering with a college in Quinana called Gilmore College through the work of Lana Hayes, who is one of our faithful church members who was a chaplain there at that school. A couple of weeks ago, we made over 500 cheese sandwiches so they could put them in a freezer and toast them up for any young person that comes into her office who has yet to have any food that day. I have it on my heart that as a church, we could even start to partner with that school in greater detail. 
A few of us went in there on Are You OK Day just to play basketball with a group of kids. And they kicked our butt, except for Kane Hayes who could dunk it. We want to be an influence in a place that is honestly very, very dark. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack why I feel we're called to that school in particular. You know, it's amazing to have a heart for a school that's outside of our catchment area. It's not around the corner, which some people might say, well, how is that of a benefit for us? Maybe it's not a numerical benefit for us. Maybe nobody that we connect with in that school will ever set foot in Awakened City, but we can still make a difference and see change and transformation through partnering with somebody who is already in that place on the front lines and missions and saying, we will partner with you to make a difference here for the Kingdom of God. There's other things that we do. Right now, we are supporting two churches. One church is called New Life Fellowship Phnom Penh Tamai. They are in a part of Phnom Penh, the capital city of Cambodia. They have suffered so much through the COVID season. As tough as it was for us, I want you to imagine this. This is literally what happened in Phnom Penh at the time. I want you to imagine that in your suburb or in your area, a hotspot of COVID breaks out. And the police and the army come in and close down every road and access out. And you are not allowed to leave your premises. And if you do, they will stand in front with guns drawn and command you to go back. Even if you don't have food in your home. That is what they went through in Cambodia, in Phnom Penh for the COVID season. And you'd think that would be enough to destroy any church gathering. There's a church on the outskirts of Phnom Penh, Phnom Penh Tamai, that is right on the edge of revival. Where they have come through COVID, where they've built a new building for themselves, and they are right on the edge of taking off. And I desperately want us to partner with them to do what we can to share in what God's called them to be. I believe that we're going to send over at least two teams next year to be a support. And I got to say, as somebody who used to live in Cambodia and used to receive the teams that used to come in, that makes an eternal difference in the life of a local church. We're called to take ground together. We're called to be on the front lines for missions. Another church in South Africa, Durban, called Revolution Church, led by Antoine and Joy Cronier, who used to be members of this church, our church, many years ago. And in their COVID season, they were locked down to the point where they couldn't even run online services because the internet there is so atrocious. I spoke to Antoine the other week and they're right now cycling through the power grid where up to a few days at a time, he is left without electricity at home. It's in South Africa. For those that have come from South Africa, they're aware of what the reality is that we are so blasé to here in a nation that is so blessed that we have electricity we can rely upon. And see, we're blessed to actually be a blessing, to take what God has given us and sow it even abroad and go beyond ourselves. There's other things that God's called us to, other rural churches in WA that I believe God is going to make a way for us. We're called to take ground for prayer and worship. We're called to be on the front lines for our mission and our giving. We're called to dig deep and embrace the abundant life. Over the next couple of months, we're going to be talking lots and lots as a church about workshops we're going to be launching. Workshops focused on the abundant life. The abundant life is what Jesus came to give. 
In John 10.10, 10, He says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I believe it's something that you've got to be led into through the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be conducting workshops, helping families thrive, parents, marriages, helping people encounter God for themselves, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and equipped in the gifts that He's given them. And be launching things for new believers, people who are new to the faith, to give them the foundation necessary to grow. Because we are called to partner with the Holy Spirit to see lives transformed. So in all this, we are called to take ground as a church. Let me finish with this thought. John chapter 14, verse 12 to 15. Jesus speaking. says this, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Before I go on, I just have to note there that the one speaking here, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, is the one who walked on water. It's the one who took some fish and some loaves and multiplied it to feed thousands. It's the one who prayed for the sick or laid hands on the sick and the sick recovered. It's the one who saw people delivered from evil spirits and empowered into a new life. That one person said this, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And He will do even greater works than these. I'm crying out for the greater then. We're set apart for more. I'm crying out for the greater then. For that to be our reality. Things that we get to enjoy together. Because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in in my name, I will do. It's so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. But he says in verse 15, it says an if. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. You know, I do not believe that the love of God is conditional. He loves us. But I wonder if my love of God is conditional. I wonder if the way that I live, the way that I follow through on what I believe, actually expresses the love that I say that I have. And I wonder if as a church, we've been called to take ground together. We've been called to set ourselves apart for more. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.